You can turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1 as uh, we come together. Uh, so I know that I, I talked to the kids about breaking things and fixing them. Uh, I wanted to share with you a few things uh, about the way we take care of things as adults. I, uh, some of you know that our family, we lived uh, north of San Francisco in Petaluma, and it's an older community. And uh, there were a lot of houses that were, you know, almost 100 years old. And these old, beautiful Victorian houses. And I remember we were looking for a house and we were going around with the realtor. And the realtor says, yeah, you know, a lot of these houses have problems with termites. Termites. And I said, oh, okay, you know. And in fact, they took us out to this one barn uh, where you could, you could kind of stick your head inside the door and you could feel it. You could, you could hear this crackling of termites eating it and it falling apart right before you. Um, made us a little nervous. And so I remember asking one of the, uh, the realtors, I said, you know, how do they take care of this? And he says, a lot of them just paint over it. You know, they just paint over it. And I said, paint over it. And he says, yeah, it doesn't work, but it makes you feel like it's been taken care of. It looks uh, fresh and clean. And I, I talked to a painter and he says, yeah, you let the paint get really sticky, you know, so it can fill in those holes and maybe some uh, caulking if you have that as well. And they paint over it. And I thought about that and I go, that I don't think that really works for termites. It may seal them off for a moment, but I'm pretty sure they eat their way out eventually and continue to snack on the wood inside. I think that uh, we also sometimes have had cars like this. I don't know if uh, you're much of a mechanic, but sometimes those gauges tell you that things are wrong and you pop the hood and you, you look at your different fluid levels, you know, your radiator or your oil, and, and you, you look at it and you say, huh, uh, there's no water in the radiator. I probably should put some in. Uh, that probably would help the car. And so you, you pour a gallon or two in, or, or maybe it's your oil. You look at the dipstick and you say, I'm pretty sure there's supposed to be oil on this thing here. Uh, and you just pour a quart, two, three. Three is pretty bad, by the way, uh, uh, if you have to pour three in there. And, and you're saying, well, I, I fixed it. And then you go back a week later and you, you drove someplace and you realize you still have to add more. That, that probably is a sign to you that you didn't fix the problem. That there's still a problem going on there. I think of, we even do this with our bodies sometimes. We say, oh, you know, uh, something's not feeling right. I'll just take a few aspirin or a few pills. And you say, oh, I, I feel better now. But the next day you got to take a few more and you got to take a few more. And you realize that the problem is still there. Uh, you may have had temporary relief, but the problem's still there. This morning, uh, as we look at God's word and the message of Jesus, the, the, the celebration of the resurrection, we realize this one thing, that Jesus, uh, the Father in His Son, Jesus, gave us the eternal solution to the permanent problem. He, he gave us the solution, the solution that we couldn't find. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you from 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3, uh, going down through verse 7. God's word says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. God, thank you for your word. We ask that you would bless it in our time here, that it would penetrate even the most stubborn of hearts. God, thank you for your love for us, your patience, your mercy. We dedicate this time to you as we look at your word. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As we look at this section, Peter, as he's writing, he shares with us, he takes the spotlight, if you will, and he puts it on the Father. And he says, this is what the one that is to be praised. The the Father is to be praised. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. As you look at that, uh, it's an overflow of Peter's heart, understanding what has been done in the person of Jesus. He points to the Father and he says, he should be praised. He should be celebrated. Why? Because the plan of God has been worked out in His Son, Jesus. This morning, uh, we celebrate what God has done for us in His Son. And make no mistake, this is what happened. The Father had a plan for sinful man. And He gave His Son to die on a cross that we might be saved. That, that, That sounds too good. I don't want to say too good to be true because it sounds too expensive, doesn't it? That, that, that God would love so much that it would be part of His plan that His Son would die for those who had sinned. This is the plan of God. And this morning, as we gather together, the reason we are gathering right here, I hope that you're here because you want to celebrate this with us. But even if you're not, you just wandered in here and you didn't know where else to go. We are celebrating the plan of God that he loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die. And that he is not dead, but he's been risen from the dead. This is what we celebrate here. This is what we focus on. So we celebrate the plan of God. God did a great thing. And He has included us, as many as will believe. We look to, as you continue on, after He he points to the Father and He says, this was His plan. This is the one that is to be praised. He tells us why. In verse 3, He says this, According to his great mercy, that word mercy uh, is closely connected to the word grace that we use all the time here. But it's the idea of this. I don't know how many of you uh, remember this or that you had a childhood like this. But when I grew up, I, I went to Hollister Elementary School. Anybody go to Hollister Elementary School? It's a shame. It's a shame. 
over in Santa Barbara. We used to play kickball at recess. Anybody play kickball at recess? Okay, now we're getting someplace. Okay, it wasn't. I thought maybe it was just at Hollister we played kickball. But uh, I remember the backstop thing, and you. Uh, I, I was pretty good at it too, by the way. I, I don't mean to brag or anything, but uh, I could kick it. Uh, uh, real far, real far. They even called me Bigfoot back in the day, but don't call me that now, okay? I, I get kind of sensitive to it. Uh, but um, uh, we like to think, we'd like to think that as God was doing His work, He saw, He looked upon us, and He said, first pick right there. Bozer's going to be good for my team. You know, I, I need a guy like that. But, but it, it's not like that. Mercy says that we didn't... Oh, I got Bosler again. Oh, like, like the, it wasn't a deserving position. It was part of His great love. It was part of His merciful kindness to us that He would extend. This is what motivated God. It wasn't that we were great. It's that He showed great love to us and mercy when we didn't deserve it. Think about that this morning. We come and we dress up, you, you dress up real well, you know, good looking group here this morning. But, but this is what it is. It's that God would show us mercy, that he would extend to us that which we don't deserve. Well, what did he do this according to his great mercy, his, what is in himself? It's this, that he has caused us to be born again, caused us to be born again. You ask the question, well, how does that work? Well, to be born again means that you were born a second time. And in between there, there was a deadness. There was a deadness. And this is true for everyone. It's not that the the physical birth that we're talking about here. It's the spiritual deadness that is uh, cured or is fixed or is changed. Why? How? Through Jesus He caused us to be born again, born again, to be changed. I want to tell you that apart from, even as I shared with the kids, apart from Jesus, we cannot be born again. We cannot. We're dead in our sins. We might have different patches that we use. We have different ways to get through the day. We we may have... uh, different things that prop us up and help us give a semblance that we are together. For some, it's the bottle. For some, it's uh, money. For others, it's just the idea, I'm going to act happy. I'm going to act, I'm going to be disciplined. I'm going to be successful. And it somehow masks and covers up that which is true inside, deadness because of sin. But I want to tell you, I want to tell you, that because of the Father's plan, the Father sent the Son, Jesus, as part of His mercy. Why? That He would cause us, because of the work of Jesus, He would cause us to be born again. To have life. This life is different, and He tells us how it's different. He, he says that we would be born again to what? A living hope. A living hope. This idea of living hope is different than hope and it's different than just living. It's a living hope. It's the idea that that we look forward to with confident expectation that it affects our days. That we enjoy life now. Because why? Because we know what is coming. 
We know that we're okay. We know that life is, is good because of what Jesus has done inside. Because He has changed us. Because He has given us this new life, which now is lived in this living hope of knowing that we are taken care of and the future is secure. He describes the future to us. What we get in Jesus. And this is so great. This is so great. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ here today, I'm going to tell you how rich you are. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, I'm telling you how rich you could be. Okay? And and I say that jokingly, but I say, don't, don't say no to Jesus. Don't do it. He tells us in verse 4, he says that he has granted us or, or caused us to be born again to this living hope, which th- this is what we receive. This is what we have. It's to an inheritance, to an inheritance. You think about this, you put this in perspective. You say, now I'm part of the father's family. I'm, I, I'm in because of Jesus and what he has done. Now the, the creator of the universe, all that the one he owns, everything, the one who's in charge, the one who knows the future can plan. This is the one who I have an inheritance with. This is good news. An inheritance. Well, tell me about this inheritance. It's like no other. It's imperishable undefiled and unfading. Those three words don't describe the junk that you have in your garage. I promise you. It's interesting. That garage is where it ends up, right? No, really. I, I really love this. It was really great one day. It, it, was, it was that new car that doesn't look that new anymore. In fact, it doesn't come out of the garage because it doesn't work anymore. You have these things that you have this sentimental attachment to, but they've faded and long since they're not as good as they're not very usable. Okay, Jesus describes in three words, these three things, imperishable, undefiled and unfading. He says, what I have given you in my son, Jesus is totally different than all the stuff you have down here. He says, your inheritance, it's not like the junk that's handed down. It's different. It's eternal. And he says this, kept in heaven for you. It's safe. It's safe. Um, Some of you are going to have little ones over at your house uh, this afternoon. Your house is not safe. Your stuff is not safe. Even stuff that you think is safe isn't really safe, right? Uh, I remember as a high schooler going over to a friend's house. He was part of the youth group. And I got there early. And I remember going into their living room and their coffee table. And the my friend's mom had all these figurines out on the coffee table. And I looked at them and I go, I just started grabbing them and putting them away. And she goes, what are you doing? And I said, I'm saving your nice stuff from people like me. Okay. This is the difference between our inheritance. You you know, our inheritance, all the stuff that we have down here, it's not safe. It's not safe. But as he describes your inheritance, he says, it's not the stuff down here. It's kept in heaven for you. It's protected. 
It, it, it won't go away. It, it's safe. It, it's in, for safekeeping. And it won't be taken away in any way. I want to tell you, this is what you have in Jesus. This is, this is what it is to know him. This is what he has given us in the resurrection. In the resurrection. Right in the middle of this passage, he speaks of this living hope. This is what we have. And he says he connects it. Living hope. How? Through the resurrection. I want to tell you that Jesus, God come in the flesh. He gave his life for sin. But he didn't just give his life for sin. He conquered sin and death when he rose from the dead. We've sung about it. The scripture speaks of this conquering, that it's over, it's finished. It's not just finished that we are forgiven, but that we have been given life. And as our Savior has gone before us, we now are connected with this living hope that we too will go to be with him because of the resurrection. This is what we celebrate today. This is the the answer, the, the permanent solution. The, the, the thing that will go on into eternity. See, we had a permanent problem. And Jesus solved it when he went to the cross and rose from the dead. Well, uh, in this passage, uh, I think it's appropriate to, to continue on. In verse 6, it says this, In this you rejoice. And that's what we're doing here this morning. We are rejoicing because of what Jesus has done. But this is the reality. In this you rejoice, but here's the reality. Looking down at verse 6. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. First of all, I want to remind you, put your fingers up like this. It's just going to be a little while. It's just going to be a little while. This whole life, it's just a little while. It's not a big deal. Like I know it seems like forever. It's forever for us, right? But compared to what our inheritance is, compared to what we have reserved for us in heaven, it's just a little while. And during this little while, it says that there's a possibility that that many of you or some of you will be grieved by various trials. That they might hurt. The trials of this life might hurt. Some would even say, maybe there's some here uh, this morning that you say, I don't believe all this stuff. I'm just going because my mom wanted me to come to church on Easter. God bless your mom, you know, dragging you to church. Love it. Uh, May her tribe increase. Uh, But uh, I want to tell you that this is this. Some of you are sitting here this morning and you go, I don't believe all this stuff. I want to tell you, Jesus is real. He's a historical figure. Apart from even the Bible, we know that he was crucified, okay? The Bible's the only accurate, but but we know that this is true. We know that this is part of history. We know this. And and I want to tell you, some of you are saying, well, I, I buy that and I buy that, but if God were really God, there wouldn't be any problems in this life. Um, let God be in charge of being God. You be in charge of being you. And God told us that there was going to be trials in this life. As we look at the scripture this morning, guess what? God's to be praised and trials happen. 
various trials. It, 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 this morning, um, some of you are living, you, you just have a great life. If I would ask you right now, how, how are things going? You'd say, great. My kids are great. We have good health. We have plenty of money. We, we are, you know, we're, we're enjoying each other. We have a great life. And others of you would go, how do I get that over there? How do I get their life? You, you have those various trials. I think it's interesting when he says various trials. He didn't just say health trials, marriage trials, family trials. He didn't say any of those things. You know why? Because he wanted to include everyone. There are different trials represented here in this, in this room today. Want me to point them out? No, I won't do that to anybody. Uh, various trials. He says you might be grieved by, from a little while. By various trials. In, in the midst, so you have an inheritance reserved for you in heaven that God has, is deserving to be praised because He's what He's given you in position of living hope, born again. But now, for a little while, various trials. Various trials, and even these various trials, if you look at them. He says that they uh, build your faith. They refine your faith. And it's more precious than even gold. And then he says this, that even those trials have a purpose in bringing glory to God. I want to conclude this morning with just a few thoughts. Really just one. Um, you, you have the eternal solution, but the, the, the stuff down here is just temporary stuff. It's just temporary. All the problems of this life, just temporary. He gives us an eternal solution for our permanent problem. I want to tell you this. I want to give you this. I want to warn you about this too. Some of you are trying to put a temporary fix on a permanent problem. Your sin problem, it will not be fixed by painting over it. It will not be fixed by masking it in some way, shape, or form. It can only be fixed by Jesus. He's the only way. And we call you to this. My prayer for you this morning is this, that you would repent, that you would turn in the old life and get new life in Christ, that you would accept the Father's love. He loves you so much that he sent his son, and you say, yes, I will accept his son, Jesus. That's my king. We're now going to watch a video in closing that's going to share what happened as Jesus paid the price. And this is our king. This is now whom, the one whom we live for. Uh, he is the king. And I'll close in a word of prayer.